You are listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. I'd now like to welcome Nick Johnson from Libro, Libro FM. He's going to tell us about their services. It's a really cool sounding um, service that they have. And he's going to tell us about that. And right at this very second, I'm going to let Craig into the waiting room, his colleague. So Nick, I'll let you introduce yourself in the way you like. And uh, I'm just letting Craig in and then you can uh, start the presentation as you as you prefer. So welcome Craig here too now as well. Great, thank you, Kim. I appreciate you uh, having us here today. Um, as you said, my name is Nick Johnson. I'm one of the co-founders of Libro.fm. And um, I am uh, in Seattle, just outside of Seattle. I'm working from home today. So if you hear a couple children running around in the background, that's just my daughters. And I apologize uh, in advance for that. I also have my colleague, Craig Silva, with us today. Craig, do you want to go ahead and unmute yourself and just say hi really quick? Hi, everyone. Um, my name is Craig. I'm located in Boston. And as Nick said, I'm a designer here at Libra working on the mobile apps. Great. Thank you, Craig. So um, I'm going to go ahead and tell everyone a little bit about Libro and uh, kind of who we are, a little bit of history of how we came to be, and then kind of what we're working on, and then hopefully leave plenty of time for questions and answers about our business, about our approach to accessibility, about books we like, um, kind of what, whatever anyone wants to ask. I do have one quick question for Kim. I'm just curious how you heard of us and how we came to be invited to present to you today. Well, I first heard about you on the Jonathan Molson podcast. Mm -hmm. So I think you guys were on there. I don't know if it was you that was on. I don't remember. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, so that's where I first heard about you. And then I looked up to see if you were in Canada. Mm -hmm. And then um, I didn't say I forgot about you. But then mm -hmm. a few weeks ago or something, some people were having problems with Audible and uh -huh. their Victor streams and Audible and the Audible, whatever it was, manager app on their PC. And then I thought, oh, I, I don't know, Libra FM. So that, that was how I, I kind of got, um, oh, perfect. Got, got you on here. Great. Well, thanks for that. I was just kind of curious. Yeah, that was a really fun podcast talking to Jonathan. Um, that was a while ago now. So actually, that's a really good segue into how to think about us. Uh, if you're familiar with Audible and audiobooks through um, Audible, which is Amazon, we are very, very similar to them, except when you buy your audiobooks through us, you are supporting a local independent bookstore as opposed to Amazon. Uh, that's the simplest way to think of what my company does. We're the same price, it's the same actual audiobook, the same recording, but instead of sending your money to uh, Jeff Bezos, you're sending it to a bookstore of your choice. Uh, could be a bookstore in your hometown or somewhere you once lived or whatnot. And that's basically our mission. Uh, our mission is to empower bookshops to engage their customers for, via a curated platform of audiobooks. We do that by uh, number one, making it possible for customers to buy audiobooks directly through their local bookshop. We have uh, similar to Audible, we have kind of two methods for people to listen to audiobooks. The first is what we call a la carte, and that is just buying an audiobook at its list price at a time of your choosing with no monthly commitment whatsoever. So if you're a very occasional audiobook listener, uh, you can just buy a book and there's no subscription or anything of that nature. 
The second way is with a monthly membership. That is a $15 US currency, and that basically gets you one audiobook a month, um, regardless of the price of that audiobook. So even if it's a $30 audiobook, you get it for that $15 a month price. So again, that pretty much mirrors what Audible does. Uh, the third part about what we do is that we split the profits from that sale with a customer's chosen bookshop. So, you know, when you buy a book through us, we keep a little bit of that money. We give some of that money to the publisher and the author, and then we give some of that money to the bookshop, uh, bookshop of your choosing. Another thing about our company is we recently in 2020 became a social purpose corporation. A social purpose corporation is like the first step in becoming a B Corp, which is basically a corporation that has doing good for society at its core. It basically allows us to make decisions based not just on revenue, but on what we think is right to do in the world. And we just put out an annual report, which is technically a social purpose report. That is one of the requirements of being a social purpose corporation that goes into detail all of the things we did in 2020 that um, have an effect on the uh, on the world and in a positive way. And uh, I'll send a link to Kim afterwards that she can share if anyone's interested in that. And I'll also touch a little bit on that later in the presentation. So that's who we are uh, at its highest level. A little bit of our history is that we basically began as a conversation uh, over beers at a local bookshop in Seattle seven years ago or so. It was basically myself and two friends. We were uh, college buddies. We all studied different things. I studied marketing and branding. One of the co-founders studied business. The other co-founder was a computer science PhD, worked for Google. And we always thought that we had a very good skill set to start a business together. And so we'd occasionally meet up with different ideas and usually tear them apart. At this one specific meeting, one of the guys showed up and he owns a boutique book publishing company that had been very successful. But he noticed that in the book world, audiobooks were growing pretty dramatically, 20, 30% growth year over year. There's a lot of reasons to explain this. The prevalence of podcasts, especially serialized podcasts, which are basically an audiobook presented one chapter per week. Um, the... Uh, ubiquity of people having smartphones and audiobook players in their pockets now instead of having to carry around cassettes or CDs and so on and so forth. So he saw this growth and he wanted his authors to talk about the audiobooks when they were on their book tours going around um, independent bookstores. But he noticed that independent bookstores couldn't participate in the growth of audiobooks because there's a lot of technology requirements to be able to create an app to be able to listen to audiobooks and so on and so forth. And there was really only one player in the game, and that was Audible, which is owned by Amazon, which is the arch nemesis of independent bookstores. So he kind of saw this opportunity and he brought it to us at the, when we were out having beer and we tried to tear it apart and we really couldn't. Um, we decided to run with it. So we started the company back in 2014. Uh, we are completely independently owned and operated. So we have no, uh, we're not reporting to any larger group of investors. We've been able to bootstrap the company ourselves between the three founders, which has given us the freedom to really make the sort of decisions we want to make and build the company how we want to build it. And uh, it's going really well. I think we have, uh, well, I want to say 1,500 bookstores now that we partner with, primarily in the United States and North America, though we are going 
uh, overseas later this year. We do have a handful of stores overseas, but we're going to be really doing more of that. Um, our main holdup there is just the issues around currency. We want to be able to present the proper currency also in Canada. So that's one of the things we're focusing on. Our three kind of pillars, if you will, of our business are um, curation, community, and convenience. And how we think of that is starting with curation, we have built a system that's more than just algorithms. If you go to Audible or Amazon or Barnes Noble or anything of that nature, all of the book recommendations you're going to get are algorithms based off your past purchase history, based off of people who have bought similar books and based on what's selling, what they make the most uh, highest margins on, whatever. But we have based ours on more than that. We really want booksellers and bookshops to engage with their customers and hand sell specific audiobooks that maybe an algorithm wouldn't bring up. And so we allow our bookstores to each have a curated storefront that has books that they have chosen to feature to their title, uh, to their customers and to put together what we call playlists. And playlists in our world are just a collection of different books um, under a specific theme. So maybe so-and-so's staff picks or um, here's good books to listen to for Juneteenth or for a road trip or so on and so forth. And we have thousands and thousands of unique playlists that are created by booksellers and different recommendations and whatnot. And uh, that community of booksellers is 9,000 strong right now. So, um, you know, we're really, really happy and excited about the kind of custom hand-selling curation that we're able to provide to our customers in a digital environment, which is what's kind of unique about it. That second pillar is community. One thing about um, independent bookstores is they're all about community. It's all about the faces you know when you walk in and the conversations you have. And the independent bookstore uh, industry itself is all about community. Everyone knows each other. Everyone cheers for each other, share secrets with each other. You know, it's very much a non-competitive industry. Even if two stores are in the same town, you know, if one book isn't available at one store, quite often they'll say, hey, go over to that store and get it from them. I know they have it. Um, as I said, when we started, we had just a handful of bookstores that we we're working with, but now we're up to about 1,500, which is uh, pretty exciting. The last bit of, um, of you know, our kind of pillars is convenience. Um, that is what we noticed was the, the missing piece of the puzzle back in 2014 is that there was no way for customers to conveniently listen to audiobooks and support an independent bookstore. And so that's the platform we built. And that became even more prevalent in 2020 when all these bookstores closed, they had to transition to online sales and they had become even more well-versed in technology. So us providing a digital platform that sells over 200,000 audiobooks was a lifeline for those stores. We do have two apps. Uh, we have a uh, app for iOS and we have an app for Android. Um, we're really, really proud of those apps. The iOS app has a 4.9 rating in the app store, which we're excited about. Android is getting better. It's a kind of uh, tailing behind a little bit, but it's um, the technology is getting a lot better. And we've done a lot of work to make sure those apps and our website is as accessible as possible. And we're doing a lot more effort to even increase that, which is pretty exciting. And I'd be happy to answer questions about that later. We have a growing team. We, as of beginning of 2020, we were seven people. Now we're up around 22 or so. So it's uh, 
it's a pretty been a pretty busy last 18 months or so for our company, um, but it's been really, really exciting uh, with what we've been able to do. We are a distributed company, which means we have no central headquarters. We're based all around the United States. Um, a lot of us are in Seattle because that's where the company started, but we're definitely, um, we have people like Craig, for instance, who's with us today over on the East Coast and whatnot. So for us, it's all about shopping local. Even though you're online and you're buying an audiobook, we want it to be a local experience and we want you to be supporting your local community. Uh, we're really, really big advocates of shopping local. Um, you know, even if, you know, if you don't want the audiobook and you want the print book, we'll send you to the local bookstores uh, website to get that print book because we think that's so important. And it's proven, you know, keeping uh, money locally helps economies, uh, you know, local economies. When you're shopping locally, it creates local jobs. It's proven that local businesses make um, a difference. They're directly involved in the community's economy and they donate to charities locally more than twice the rate of national change. So that's a real core belief of ours is supporting shopping local. So in 2020, as I mentioned, we hired a lot more team members. Um, 2020 was a weird year for us in the sense that a lot of the terrible things that were happening in the world from uh, the pandemic, obviously, to some of the social justice issues and whatnot, were actually really positive uh, for our business because people wanted to learn more about social justice uh, issues and a lot of the books were sold out. So they were buying the audiobooks. A lot of the bookstores closed and so they transitioned their focus to selling online. And a lot of people had more time because they were stuck at home. So they started listening to audiobooks. So we had some pretty uh, explosive growth in 2020. We increased our monthly members by 200%. We increased the amount of bookstores that we partner with by 48%. And most importantly, we increased the amount that we paid to local bookshops by almost 400%. So 2020 from a business standpoint was a really great year for us. But it was also interesting because we knew it wasn't a great year for a lot of other people. Um, so one of the things that I was really proud of and in that social purpose report I will share later, uh, it kind of details that, is we were able to take that success we had in 2020 and really leverage it to do some good. So uh, here's a couple examples of some of the stuff we did last year. We were able to raise about $90,000 for bookshops that were impacted by COVID um, just over the course of a couple of weeks when a lot of stores were forced to close. We, we did some promotions and donated all the um, profits from that to bookstores. We were able to deliver $67,000 directly to Black-owned bookstores in celebration of Juneteenth last year, which we were very proud of. And we're doing some really neat things around Juneteenth this year also in terms of supporting Black-owned bookstores. Uh, when a lot of the stores closed and we were getting really, really busy, we hired 11 underemployed booksellers to work at Libro. Um, you know, they got laid off and we knew we had things that needed to be done. So we hired on uh, booksellers just uh, temporarily to kind of help us and to help them. And it worked really good. Uh, during a lot of the social issues um, that were going on last year after the murder of George Floyd, we donated over 5,000 anti-racism audiobooks to customers just as a thank you and to, you know, invited them to share them with their friends and family and to spread the word. And then lastly, we garnered about $170,000 in revenue at local bookstores over Small Business Saturday just by promoting um, local bookstores and saying, hey, if you go in and you spend $15 at your local bookstore, send us a receipt and we'll give you a free audiobook. 
as again, just a way to drive traffic locally to independent bookstores. So what we're kind of looking forward to uh, in the future is just broadening our geographic reach to serve more book lovers in their local bookshops. That's gonna include increased expansion into Canada and then overseas. Um, again, primarily some of the, the licensing issues and the currency issues we're kind of getting ironed out right now, but we're really excited to be able to kind of launch this um, broader and be able to help more people support their local bookstores. So that's, that's in a nutshell, kind of who we are, where we've been, where we're going. But I'd love to open it up to any questions anyone has for myself, for Craig, uh, you know, any, any topic around audiobooks or, or otherwise. Uh, hello, Nick. A great presentation. Uh, <clears throat> it just occurs to me to make one comment, which is an advantage of Liberal that you missed out on and to ask two questions. Mm -hmm. So the comment, which is an important one for our community, is that when you download a <clears throat> Libro FM book, you get a zip folder of MP3 files, one per chapter. <clears throat> and these are non-encrypted, unlike Audible books. So if you use a talking book player like the Victor Reader Stream, you don't have to jump through any hoops to authorize mm -hmm. that player to play the content. These are just native, uh, non-encrypted MP3 files. So they'll mm -hmm. play on any MP3 device. So that's an important advantage in my mind that you have over Audible. Yeah, and Jerry, and then, do you mind if I actually address that really quick before your yeah, two questions? So yeah, that's a, that's a good point. And I, you know, I, I don't know how far into the weeds sometimes to get into this, but we are a, we are a DRM-free audiobook company. DRM, you know, digital rights managed which means, as Jerry just mentioned, that you can download the actual MP3s and do whatever you want with them. So you're not forced to listen to our uh, audiobooks through our player. We're very proud of our player for sure, but it's not for everybody. And so we like to make sure that our customers have the ability to listen how they want. And we're, you know, that was actually one of the hardest parts of starting our business was getting the publishers to agree to allow DRM audiobooks out there. Um, the music industry was way ahead of the book industry in that respect. Uh, as you can imagine, the book industry is fairly traditional in their approach to things, but it is a really, really um, important you know, tenant of our company. And um, we know with our accessibility consultant that we work with how important it is to, to this audience. So thank you, Jerry, for pointing that out. And please continue with your next two questions. Uh, first question is, um, if I go to Libro FM, Excluding Audible Originals, am I going to find every book in the Audible catalog on Libro FM? You'll find probably 99%. Um, Audible, obviously, as you just mentioned, has its own um, exclusives, which obviously we don't have rights to. Uh, most other books we do have, um, unless they're really, really obscure or some, some books just don't exist in audio format. However, if you are looking for a book and you can't find it, shoot us an email because it might be that we just don't have an agreement with that publisher yet, if it's a smaller publisher. So we will certainly try to get it. But I'd say, you know, 99% of the books uh, that are not exclusive to Audible, we would have. And my second question, and it's the only reason I'm still an Audible customer and not a Libro customer, is because you only offer me a $15 a month monthly subscription with one book. And mm -hmm. what I really want is an annual subscription, exactly. let's say 
let's say 150 US with with 12 book credits, which is the program that I've been using for years from Audible and works the best for me. I, totally. I don't want to pay a monthly invoice and I don't want to be restricted to choosing a book a month. Yep. Uh, I completely hear that. Uh, those, there's actually two different things there. Uh, the, the ability to pay month, or I'm sorry, the ability to pay annually as opposed to monthly is one thing which we are working on. And I don't quite have a timeline for you on that one, but um, it is something that we will be launching in the not too distant future. The second part is actually being able to have different options instead of just one book a month. Maybe you aren't that avid of a listener and you only want one book every two months, or maybe you're an extremely avid listener and you want two books a month or whatnot we are also working on the ability to have a few different plans there. There is a workaround though. You can go to the gift section and you can gift yourself a membership. Uh, it could be a, a six month membership, a 12 month membership, whatever you want. Basically what that does is it automatically puts those credits into your account instantly. And then you have them to use as you see fit. So if you wanted to cancel your monthly membership and just gift yourself, um, a monthly membership that way. It's the same equivalent as paying once for the entire year. It's just a, a non, uh, it's a workaround. It's not the most beautiful workaround, but it gets the job done. So that's something to consider. Any more questions, Jerry? Uh, I apologize. My phone rang when you were explaining the six months, 12 months, and I missed oh, sure. a comment. I'm oh, no sorry. worries. What I was going to say is we have kind of a workaround for people who want to uh, buy all at once instead of monthly. And that is to go to the gift section of the website, which oh, is simply okay. libra.fm slash gift and gift yourself a membership. So if you gift your, gifted yourself a monthly, like a 12 month membership, you would do that payment once you would get all 12 credits at the same time. And then you wouldn't have to do it again till the end of the year or the next time you need more credits if you start using more than one a month. Um, so it's a, it's a, a workaround. It's not the best solution. You know, having just the ability to play annually would be better and we're working on that, but it's a good workaround for the time being. Okay. Thank you. So the, if, if I gifted myself 12 months, it would be a $180, not 150. Yes. We, we, it's basically just paying for all 12 at once. So it's a little bit more um, in that respect. But I wouldn't be restricted to uh, choosing a book a month. I, I could buy six in one month and then none for three months, whatever I wanted. Exactly. And the way that our credits work is they never expire. Um, Audible, technically, after if you don't use all your credits after, I forget what the timeline is, uh, 18 months or something like that, you start to lose them. Uh, with us, you don't. Your credits are always going to be there. So if you, you know, accumulated 24 credits and you know, didn't buy anything for three years and then you just went nuts one month and bought everything that's totally fine okay okay well that's 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 an improvement it would still be nicer as you say when you get the actual annual plan of but but uh, i might look at the uh, gift plan and, and check into that thank you you're welcome Jerry, have you used, have you bought a book? Have you used it on a stream or any, any device? Have you? Uh, yes, I bought one book a la carte. When I first investigated the service, I set up an account and purchased a book uh, just to make sure that they were actually playing MP3 files. And mm -hmm. 
in my case, I'm an avid user of the Victor Stream, so I made sure they played on that device and there was absolutely no problem. Thank you for listening to the GTT podcast from the Canadian Council of the Blind. There are many ways to get in touch with us. You can call us toll-free at one 877 you can follow our GTT blog at gttprogram.blog. If you'd like to subscribe to our email support list, you can send a blank email to gttsupport plus sign subscribe at groups.io. And you can follow the Canadian Council of the Blind on the web at ccbnational.net.